There are some places in this world that invite one to ponder and to consider things that they had never really given time to before. And over the last 10 weeks of my sabbatical, my life has been full of them. While I'll go into sharing about my Camino journey and my travels in a few weeks, one of the sights that I saw while walking a portion of the Camino de Santiago to Compostela was particularly on my mind this week as I prayed through the text. The Cathedral of Lyon is one of the most spectacular sights to behold. It was the first national monument of Spain and has played an important role in Spanish Christianity throughout hundreds of years. These days, one can walk through the cathedral with an audio guide that tells stories woven with stained glass and stone. And ancient statues stand next to pots full of fresh-cut lilies, asking the seer to lean into the truth that God is present in the unchanging stone just as much as God is present in the wilting flower. The cathedral is awe-inspiring and powerful to see, but it's not its prominence in the city or its beauty that reminded me of today's lesson from Hebrews. It's the story of how it came to be. As you ascend any of the many hills that lead up to the cathedral, the one that you see today began in the early 13th century. And although there was a 50-year period of delay, this holy site was finished just after the turn of the 14th century. In less than 100 years, the people of the kingdom of Lyon built what would become a sign for future generations of the hope they lived of the faith they had. I imagine for the people of Lyon, it was, as the author of Hebrews puts it, the faith of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen that drove them to craft such a transcendent masterpiece. When Hebrews was written, it was the lives of Abraham and Sarah that marked a faith so deeply convicted that they and the generations that would come after them would spend their lives living in tents in foreign lands, never to see the promised land. And just like the generations of those who spent their lives building the cathedral in Lyon, the author of Hebrews tells us that they never got to see this joy up close. For Abraham and Sarah and the generations that followed, the distance from the promise was not as big of an issue as we might think of it today. Because they knew that they were seeking a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one. A thing about faith that I don't think we talk enough about in Christian circles is just how foolish faith can look from the outside. Here we have Abraham and Sarah lauded as these great examples and pillars of faith. They are the ones upon whose shoulders we stand. But it doesn't take much cynicism to begin to wonder if they were really all that smart in continuing to live a homeless life. They were given the opportunity to return home to all that they knew. 
And it doesn't take much cynicism to begin to wonder if the people of Lyon were wise to spend the whole of their short medieval lives building a church in which they would never pray. And honestly, it doesn't take much cynicism for us to begin to turn those questions toward ourselves as well. There are many things for which I hope and many things about which I am convicted. But the truth is, I don't think I felt as hopeless as I have about the world as I have in the last year. And I wish I could whitewash it so that there was a shiny veneer. But the truth is, hope, at least for me, has been hard to come by. Because when natural disasters wreck whole communities and war wages on and recessions happen and viruses spread when we aren't prepared for them, I begin to feel a little lost. And I can feel it in my soul and in my body. As cynicism sneaks in, hope slips away. So today we have this. We have this opportunity to return to our stories. To see the ways in which those Christians and whose steps we follow begin to light the way. Now I cannot say that I have the faith of our Hebrew ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, or even the medieval Christians in Lyon. But I know that when I look to their stories, I don't see whitewashed veneer that hides the darkness. I see a lived and embodied hope that changed their world. I know that when I look to the stories of Christians that have come before me, whether in Spain or in my family history, or even here at Christ Church, I know I'm not just seeing determination and will to make choices. I know that when hope feels far away, it doesn't take that much faith to know that I am seeing the assurance of things hoped for. Because on this morning, we are not just surrounded by stained glass and stone and wood. We are surrounded by the things hoped for and yet unseen of past generations. The question for today, then, is what hope is here? Not the metaphorical or the right church answer, but what literal hope is guiding your life? What hope, what real and tangible and unseen hope is guiding ours as this church that meets on 12th and State? Having hope in times like these is not easy. But in the same way that I know that it doesn't take much cynicism for hope to slip away, believe me, 
when I say, it doesn't take that much faith for it to flourish either. And we do not have to be models of faith for future generations to let ourselves collectively and individually be changed by this hope. As I mentioned, there were so many spaces in which I was invited to cultivate this hope, this hope while traveling on my sabbatical. But to ground us right here, when I left in May, and you may not know this, but when I left in May, there was one weekly Narcotics Anonymous meeting in our parish. And when I got here on Monday and checked my calendar, not for the first time, I admit, there were three, three weekly gatherings of those who struggle with addiction. Three times a group of people who are, may or may not be members at this church find hope here. That is hope. That hope has found a home in Moore Hall where we eat breakfast. It's a hope that's found a home in the places we share, and that hope is changing lives. I think of hope as light. Because when you are surrounded by complete darkness, a little bit goes a long way. But when it's everywhere, it changes your whole worldview. I wonder how we will be changed as that flicker of hope begins to widen. How that tiny pinprick of faith in the hopelessness that is everywhere can shake us all loose. Now, most of us are not called to build a cathedral like the medieval Christians in Lyon, but I know that we are invited to an unrelenting hope that can only be found in the crucified and resurrected Messiah. I know that each day we get to choose how we live, not the circumstances, not the reality, not all aspects of it, but we get to choose whether we lean a little more toward cynicism or a little more toward faith. And I know that none of it means that our life will be easy or good or simple. But I believe that this is the hope to which we are called I believe that our faith will carry us in this hope, even when it means we might look a little foolish. I believe that faith can pull us on a journey, and faith can build a cathedral, and faith can offer belonging to those who struggle with addiction. But it is hope, the hope of things not seen, hope shared with those around you, hope that will inevitably change us. This, this is the hope. This is the hope that will sustain us.
Amen.